We have a special treat for you today. We have the one, the only. Welcome to the State Lines Network. Hey, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Boldly Going Podcast. I am your host, Jason Sowell, and welcome to episode eight. Really excited about this episode. Really excited for you to hear from my friend, Adam Riches. Adam Riches is an incredible guy, fascinating guy. Uh, I wanted to have him on the podcast because of what he does. Uh, many of you might know I am a, uh, I'm a big comic book nerd. I love Star Wars. I love Batman. I love so much in comic book world. I grew up playing with G.I. Joes. I love G.I. Joes. So many nerdy things. And uh, Adam Riches basically uh, basically lives the dream in that world. Uh, he is a he's a designer. He's an artist. He designs uh, and draws uh, comic book covers. Uh, he does packaging for GI Joe. He does all kinds of amazing stuff that we're going to talk about. But the big reason I want to have him on the podcast, and the reason I want you to hear from him, and I'm so excited about this episode, is because he's a guy that really. Uh, embodies boldly going. Was an easy road for him to get into this uh, world that he works in. It's the it's his dream. It's what he loves to do, and it wasn't an easy thing to get in. It's still not an easy road. But he's a guy that just doesn't take no for an answer. He doesn't give up, and uh, that's why this ep- episode is titled something that he said in uh, our conversation. Of it's titled relentlessly pursuing your passion, because he absolutely embodies that. He's a guy that basically doesn't take no for an answer and continues pursuing, continues pursuing, continues fighting, keeps trying and going after his passion, doing the thing that he loves. And uh, that's what I want you to hear. And I hope that you hear that from him. He's amazing. He's fun. Not only that, but he's also, uh, he basically could be uh, the fill-in for Seth MacFarlane because it looks so much alike. He's like his doppelganger. Really cool guy. Uh, a lot of fun. Can't wait for you to listen to him. And um, episode eight with Adam Riches. And you should definitely check him out. I forgot to uh, kind of end the episode with uh, some promotional things for him. But uh, go to his website, adamriches.com. Uh, and you can see all the stuff that he does there. You can find his art. You can um, follow him there. Go to facebook.com slash adamrichesart. You can uh, follow him there, tag him, um, you know, beat his door down about getting some of his art. Where can you find his comic books and all that kind of stuff? He's so much fun. Uh, before we jump into the episode, as always, uh, please check out uh, the network, the podcast network that we're on. It's called State Lines Network. State Lines is great, phenomenal website. There's so many great things on there. Other podcasts you should listen to. Uh, so much other stuff that's better than mine uh, that you should spend your time listening to and reading and learning and growing. So please go there, state-lines.com. Check all that out. Find some other podcasts that you can listen to as well. And then uh, also please uh, check out what my organization does, current initiatives, engagecurrent.org. Uh, get involved some way in your community. We'd love for you to do it with us. Uh, if, if not, if it's something else that you're passionate about that you would love a way to give back to your community, find that thing. It doesn't have to be the big thing in the world, but find something in your own community to connect with and get involved with and, and uh, just better your world. And like I said, we would love for you to do it with us. Feel free to check out our website, engagecurrent.org. Follow us on the, uh, on the social medias at Engage Current and, uh, and get involved. Yeah, and so again, go check out State Lines. Follow them at Tweet State Lines, at State Lines on Instagram, all that. Go to state-lines.com. Check out the, the uh, State Lines podcast network. Now... Let's jump into it. Well, my friend, uh, great episode talking about a bunch of nerdy stuff and pursuing your passion with my buddy, Adam Riches. Check it out. I'm not a. I probably do everything backwards than than the way most po- podcasts are right. meant to be, uh, because I just I like having conversations with people. Gotcha. I'm not a. So I don't. I really don't take. Uh, I don't make a lot of notes ahead of time and don't make a list of questions that I want to ask. It's really kind of like where it goes is where it goes, uh, and 
but I take notes, so I do it backwards. So I end up taking notes during the podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I just so like you'll you can't like hear me writing or some you know something you say or something in the conversation kind of sparks. Oh, you know, I want to ask about this. I'll write it down or an intriguing statement or something like that. I don't know how many of those so, I have, but we'll we'll give it a shot. I'm sure I, there's I'm sure there's probably <laughs> plenty. So yeah, it's m- most of the podcasts I've done are always like very very specifically geared towards GI Joe. So I'm kind of like uh, that's all they want to hear about. It's like the minutia of GI Joe. Yeah, so, like, I mean I probably want to hear about that stuff too. Maybe so we'll, oh, yeah. okay. Well, so we'll get there. About the... We'll we'll get to all that. So gotcha. um, yeah, so we're recording. Um, there's so I should have warned you ahead of time, you know, in case you want to keep a squeaky clean image of not cussing or anything like that. I'll but, I'll keep it on the level. No, you can do it. <laughs> actually, I don't care. You can say whatever you want on the podcast. I just want to give you the warning first, you know, that we're recording. Uh, so anyway, um, welcome to the boldly going podcast. Uh, what I call um, creative, brilliant, inspirational people of the universe on planet Earth. And I'm really excited about today. My buddy Adam Riches is on the podcast, and um, I, re- I can't wait for you to hear from Adam because Adam does one of the coolest things in the world. And part of the reason I want you on the podcast is because of your story of how you got into this and like how you ended up really doing the thing that you love or working on the product that you love, uh, to me is a very like falls in the context of just boldly going pursuing the thing that you love going after after the dream so adam welcome hello thanks for being on thank you uh adam and i met a couple years ago a few years ago at a wedding that i did yeah so do i get to tell the story of how yeah, we met? go for it yeah please yeah, so it, it is funny to me how uh, you know life creates these sliding door things that put people in your life uh so my mom's good friend lisa her daughter amanda is getting married i almost didn't go because i had something else to do but Mm-hmm. I ended up going that night. You officiated their wedding, and they gave out, uh, which I don't think I've ever had this at another wedding. They had like a little like brochure or something that that talked oh, about yeah, the details of their that's wedding. Right. And it said in there, oh, and if you see Jason, talk to him because he's like a big Star Wars nerd or something. And I was like, okay, duly noted. So then <laughs> I ended up of, of all the tables there, I ended up sitting at your table. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And you didn't and know sister, like hardly right? anyone there because yeah, everyone else is like running around doing whatever. So I'm like, well, there he is. Time to talk Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then uh, and I think I was like, well, that's cool, man. We should hang out sometime. And you gave me your business card, I think. And it was like, I went. I think I looked up uh, looked up your Facebook page or something. And I was like, and this guy like really downplayed his life. Like he is super interesting. I should be interviewing you. But uh, yeah, like, <laughs> no, man, thank you. But uh, there yeah. we are. Yeah. So I don't. I don't remember a whole lot about our conversation that night, but I know it just involved comic books and GI Joe, of course, and just just all nerdy stuff. Yep. Um, so, but the cool thing about you is not it's not just something you appreciate. Like that's your world. You actually work in comic book world. I do. And at the time, so tell everybody what you do. I just always say you're a comic artist, but I think you do way more than that. Yeah. Um. It's funny. I don't even. I was just having this conversation with someone the other day. I don't really know what to call myself anymore because I went to school. I have a bachelor of fine arts in illustration, and so I want to call myself an illustrator. But that's sort of evolved into all these other things now. I've comic books, toy design, packaging art, uh, costume design. So it's it's taken me some very strange and interesting places. So I knew that you did packaging design for GI Joe, right? Uh, but you do co- you do costume design and stuff too? That's just a recent thing that started actually. I've uh, was this man. This conversation is going to go some weird places. But I've been Good, a, yeah. I've been a lifelong fan of professional wrestling, which yes. I've often been ashamed to admit. We talked about hold on, so but, time out. Yes, <laughs> yes, we did talk about this. I also have been a long time fan of professional wrestling, and uh, like all the way down to as a kid, you know, yep. just like watching it on TV. But also acting it out in the living room as I'm watching it on TV, um, and I the way I discovered this with you is that when I was a youth pastor years ago, I was oh, right. um, a girl in, in my studio ministry was her dad's a pro wrestler. Her, her family came to my church, and so I I got to know her. And so when she got married recently, I just did her wedding a few months ago, and she is marrying another professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. And so I post a photo, and <laughs> you texted me from the, like, dude, I know that guy. You're a wrestling fan? Yeah, that, yeah, you know, I, 
I, I, I don't want to like uh, jump into people's personal lives like that, but when I saw you post that, I was like, does he know whose wedding he's at? Like, is he even aware of this? Like, <laughs> is he aware of the people's like, wedding he's doing? I'm like, is this just some like gig he got hired on, or is he like, you know, a, a closet wrestling fan too? So That's that was uh, funny. Yeah. Okay, so in wrestling world, oh, so you're designing okay. costumes or something? Yes. So um, I've always wanted to be involved in wrestling. I love it. Uh, obviously, you know, as you can tell by my physique, well, the listeners can't tell, but you can. I'd get broken in half in like two seconds if I ever attempted wrestling. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I always thought, well, what what other way could I get involved in this you know crazy business? And years ago, I was really close to working with Mattel on the wrestling action figures, but mm. ultimately, you know, it required me to move to El Segundo, California. Wasn't so keen on that idea. Okay. And uh, then there's a comic book artist, Jill Thompson, and she designed a bunch of the ring gear for Daniel Bryan. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, it was like the epiphany. I was like, you know, because I, I had that idea before. I was like, I wonder who makes their costumes. So it was just kind of like a, a pipe dream. I was like, I, how do you ever get that job? And then when I saw that a comic book artist was doing it, I was like, oh, it is possible. So then I started trying to put out feelers to different people and see if I could ever find a way into that. And uh, wow. tried writing a bunch of people. And, and is often the case when you're you know, pursuing your goals, you won't mm-hmm. hear back from 90% of the people you write. But um, right. I got in touch with... Uh, or I heard I heard an interview actually where a wrestler mentioned where they got their gear. So I found this guy's website and I contacted him. This was in November of last year. Didn't hear anything for four months, and then just totally out of the blue, last month he emails me and he's like, "Oh man, it was it was so fortuitous that you contacted me when you did. WrestleMania is coming up. Everyone wants new costumes. Love your stuff. I've been hanging on to your contact info. You want to design some stuff for me?" And I was like, "Uh, yes." So what? The uh, just in the last couple of weeks here, I have been uh, designing costumes for several people in WWE, and I don't I don't know how much more about it I can say than that yet. But yeah, no, but, it, totally but, it, but it's pretty crazy. I got it. It's just uh, you know, it's one, so one of those nuts. one of those things that I never thought I'd be doing. It's uh. The bucket list has been getting checked off at rapid Dude. speed in the last couple of years. I'm gonna have to start adding new things to it. Yeah, no joke. Like, <laughs> seriously, did so when you got this email, did like ten year old Adam jump, uh, go th- go nuts? Thirty year old Adam went nuts. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, just to give you like a real like real quick checklist of some of the stuff in recent years. I mean, the first professional job I ever had was on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of the stuff, but obviously I'm a lifelong G.I. Joe fan. I've worked extensively on that. Um, Huge Back to the Future fan, just did that. Back to the Future comics, now a huge wrestling fan doing this. So, I mean, uh, I was a really big fan of the band The Offspring growing up. I did some album art for them a few years ago. So it's just just crazy how, like, all these things that I was obsessed with, it's just if you just you know, like relentlessly pursue your passions, how eventually doors just start opening and it's just, yes. it's unbelievable to me the, the stuff that's occurred over the last few years. Yes. I love that. That's, and that honestly, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because, um, I feel like that is a lost, that's a lost truth. What you just said was, uh, relentlessly pursuing your passion. Uh, I think people are, are very uh, they have like everyone has a passion everyone has something or multiple things that they are passionate about that they wish they could do that they love that they want to do they look at someone else and go man if I could just do they're doing what I want to be doing and all that Um, and but they never do it and that that hurts me like that hurts me when I see a friend or someone I know that they have a passion and they don't pursue it and I think there's a I don't know if it's something about the culture like the way our modern culture is right now or or what I think we're so used to getting what we want when we want it we have microwave I remember when we first got the first microwave we got when we were a kid and like I remember being mind blown like I can have a full meal in seconds get out of here Uh, and you know we live in a world where it, it if you don't get an immediate response to a text message, someone gets mad at you because, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like, you know, you don't get everything you, like you have to work for things. And I love that you said that relentlessly pursuing your passion. Cause that's why I remember you telling the story about, uh, and I would love for you to tell the story, how you ended up doing these comic sure. covers of you just like with that guy with the wrestler, like you're just writing people and you're just not leaving them alone. Yeah, well, it's a funny thing. I went to um, I went to Ringling College of Art and Design, and I'll preface with that. It was a mm-hmm. great time. I loved it. I wouldn't take any of it back. But 
and it's not just exclusive to Ringling. I think it's any art school. I don't think that they, even if they wanted to, I don't think they can prepare you for how difficult it is to seek out the kind of jobs you want. I mean, you know, and they'll tell you, they'll, they'll give you networking opportunities. They'll tell you to connect yeah. with alumni. They'll, they'll say, look at this job website, whatever. But if you really have your sights dead set on doing a particular thing or a particular property project, whatever it may be, those doors aren't just going to magically open for you, you know. Life. Right. I mean, occasionally these miraculous things occur, but generally speaking, if you really want something, you're going to have to go out and get it yourself. I mean, it's yeah. not going to come to you. And I think that that's that's the sad thing that is wasted on a lot of people that pursue creative endeavors is they just think like, well, you know, I'm a good artist or I've got whatever it may be, you know, my cultivated skill set. I'm a great musician or something. So when am I going to get discovered? I'm like, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, and that's that's something that's dawned on me I think especially in the last few years even more so is you really just have to just constantly you know don't rest on your laurels it's never going to get any easier like yeah well you know things I mean it, one job will lead to another but if you have your sights set on a specific thing and one has nothing to do with the other like you're going to have to go out and chase each one of them like it's you know your first day on the job basically right yeah Th- yeah that's not if you get that job it doesn't mean you're entitled to everything else no it, point on. it's funny I'll I'll, I'll backpedal for you a little bit so when I was in school I uh, everyone knows you know you have to get an internship after your junior year that's like that's yeah. the big thing right and I had my sights really set on two things and that was it like period I wanted to work for Hasbro to work on G.I. Joe okay or I wanted to go to Mirage Studios who at the time were the owners of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I was a huge oh, wow. Turtles fan okay alright well I tried contacting Hasbro a bunch of times it wasn't really getting me anywhere but I had gotten in touch with someone at Mirage Studios, and so I was talking to them all the time, and it really looked like it was going to happen. And so I was just kind of like, well, got what I want, we're good, so I'm not, not going to apply anywhere else. Yeah. And uh, I even remember someone, won't name names, but someone at Hasbro after the fact that was like, you didn't apply for anywhere else, that is so stupid. And I'm like, well, wow. you know, this is what I wanted, and, you know, so <laughs> I'm maybe it's a character flaw of mine, but generally when I want something, I just try to find a way to get it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really good at accepting no for an answer. Some, sometimes that served me well, sometimes not. Yeah. But <laughs> so um, anyway, though, uh, it was really down to the wire, like to the point that I was ready to go pack my bags and do this internship for Mirage, and then it ended up falling through. Um, and from that, though, because I had gotten friendly with those guys, they offered me my first ever job in comics. They said, well, you know, we're so sorry this didn't work out timing-wise or whatever, but um, we'd like to have you do a pinup page for us in this Ninja Turtles comic book, which for me, I was like, I was over the moon. You know, that was awesome. I was a fan. I was reading that comic anyway, and at the time, I thought, well, you know, professional work was always going to outweigh an internship, right? Like, so I'm thinking, yeah. I'm not even graduated from art school yet, and I'm already working on Turtles. I'm going to be a superstar the day I get out of here, you know? I'm ready to take over the... I'm like, maybe I don't even need to come back for senior year. And, uh, of course, that's not exactly how it worked out. Uh, <laughs> so, it was it was cool. Um, but that was just, it was like I, I achieved that, but that, that road didn't necessarily lead to, to where I thought it would, and so graduating was like starting over at square one yeah and so funny enough i have kind of a, a unique history in comics that book came out i think in like november 2008 i didn't do my next my next comic appearance didn't occur until april 2015 so that's a, oh, that's, wow. a that's a big gap uh, that is a huge gap <laughs> That's like practically like you know coming out of retirement gap. Yeah, so. yeah. Like, except you, you know I died and were reborn. Yeah, except you, you could argue I never really started, so it was kind of a. <laughs> you know. Oh man! Wow, that yeah, that's so crazy. That's such a great uh, lesson of well, I got this one thing, so uh, obviously this is going to open the doors to yeah. everything else. So uh, how did you? Well, first of all, let me back up from there. Okay. Why did, or did you know as a kid that this is what you wanted to do? Yes, but not necessarily in this, on this exact path. Um, Okay. My interest in art as a kid was pretty much was there my entire life. I I mean, I can't remember where it started, but, uh, I guess I always had really lowbrow interest in art, which it sounds weird, but like I, I wasn't enamored with like you know, museum paintings or something like that. I was okay. looking at, like, art on cereal boxes and lunch boxes. Oh, wow. and I mean, like, you know, comic books and cartoons are, are 
maybe somebody would consider that lowbrow art, but I'm talking even lower than that. I'm talking yeah. about like ephemera, <laughs> like, you know, like a McDonald's bag. I'd be like, man, that's awesome, oh, you know? Man. So I love the, the, the cereal boxes is what's fascinating, the art on cereal. That's, oh, yeah. I mean, that stuff you never think about. Like someone actually had to design that. Yeah, and the funny thing is years later when you, when you start to get more immersed in the industry and you start meeting people and having conversations, they'll famous artists guys that have worked on like big name comic books and stuff will be like oh yeah I, I drew that cereal box or I, I drew the back of that kid cuisine frozen food and be like wait you did and be like well yeah it's a job you know and I'm like wow. oh you know so I wasn't crazy like it actually was good art but <laughs> um so yeah I mean the, the interest was always there and I guess just figuring out a way to 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 get from that that childhood, you know, scribbling and developing that, and and figuring out how to turn it into into a career was where where things got more complicated. But yeah, we're getting there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, you're doing it. It's your it's become your career. Yeah, uh, you're paying the bills and you're loving it, which yeah. is awesome. I that I think is better than you know you're sitting in a cubicle paying the bills by something you hate. You know, you've well, I heard it. I heard a quote one time, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins said this, I don't know where it originally came from, but yeah. the quote was that success without happiness isn't success. And mm -hmm. I really believe in that. I mean, I know a lot of people that are probably making a lot more money than me, but all they ever told me is how much they hate their job, and at least I don't have to say that, you know? I, uh, yeah. I think I get to work on a lot of really cool stuff that I'm really passionate about, and uh, it's it's basically afforded me the opportunity to go from being a fan of these things so much and, and then getting to contribute to them and it's just awesome and and I think in a lot of ways it makes me more relatable to the fans of those things because I love interacting with them and you know I am them I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm still a fan of these things I'm not you know it hasn't put me in some different stratosphere I'm still I'm still buying the comic books that I didn't work on in the same series you know because I love it so right. yeah so it's um, it, it's awesome to be that immersed in this stuff you know I love what I do yeah, that's really cool. So, a uh, couple years, you you did GI Joe was your number one. So, why was GI Joe your thing? Uh, just loved it since I was a kid. I don't even know. It's it's just it, I've told people this before, and it sounds funny, but it's kind of sadly true. I think my interest stopped evolving probably around age seven. Like I, every <laughs> everything that I love now, to some degree, I probably look back then. It's um, I think I think don't the, most don't most men's interests stop around age seven that's, or ten? That's probably about accurate, honestly. I mean, you know, that's that's why the nostalgia market is so big. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly, we we stopped. We stopped maturing. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that, well, yeah, without question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You, can, so, you can almost say I'm devolving in that way. Right. Yeah, good point. Uh, <laughs> Me too. So, all right. So, G.I. Joe, loved it as a kid. You got into doing packaging for G.I. Joe, which is another thing that I, I never even I, – I love art and I'm, I'm so – I look at stuff like, like merchandise a lot and I pay attention to the way things look or the yep. colors and the way things are laid out. But for some reason, not, some, that's never until I met you and you told me you did that. It never really dawned on me, and never paid attention to something like a toy packaging with a GI Joe uh, action figure in it. That someone that that was someone's job to make that packaging and design that. You know, the thing that's funny to me is that didn't dawn on me until I was in my 20s in art school even and you know I was already there en route to a professional career and didn't even realize someone was drawing this stuff so that shows you how ignorant I was to this industry yeah. I, I actually remember my freshman year in art school uh, one of my teachers gave an assignment where every week you were supposed to bring in like you'd write a little bio of like four different illustrators you'd find that week yeah and I remember going on Google and literally typing in like illustrator because like I didn't even know what one was like I couldn't even find one and I'm in school to be one like how sad is that you know oh. <laughs> like um <laughs> But it's funny once once your eyes kind of open up to that, you just realize. I mean, it's art. We'll just say in, in general terms, it's everywhere. I mean, you know, just if look, go into any store and look. Every five feet, there's something with art on it. You know, right. and somebody's doing it. It's it's coming from somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so I think a, a big part of having a successful career in in art, in visual art, illustration, comics, whatever, is you have to find those openings and you have to figure out how you pursue them individually because it's, it's not all coming from one place and there's thousands of decision makers in the world that are you know in the position to give you those jobs but you have to seek them out you have to make those connections right and, and sometimes you have to find jobs that don't exist you know you, you create openings for yourself I mean there, there, mm. I would argue that 90% of the jobs I have 
there wasn't a job listing for them, I would see something and I could say, oh man, I could make that better, or wouldn't that look cool if it had art on it, or, you know, and oh, you, you find ways to insert yourself into those situations. Yeah. Um, that's so true. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like that's probably part of, uh, it's probably part of being bold is going, and it's probably, in some ways it's probably, it's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, prideful at the same way of going like that thing that someone else created I can do better than that <laughs> you know like it's gotta it, that can be better and I'm the one that can make that better but I think you have to have that a little bit if you're gonna go pursue the thing you love yeah you, I mean it, it's like uh, it can be crippling at times too though when you feel like you're not better than anyone <laughs> mm. Todd mm. McFarlane's another big influence of mine the guy that created the comic book Spawn and uh, I remember seeing an interview. Wait, time out. Yeah. I just, it just dawned on me, and I'm sure probably people have told you this before. I just realized you look like oh, uh, Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. I, this has become like the recurring gag of my life. I've probably heard this 50 <laughs> times a day. Like, people strangers in the street. Like, are you Seth MacFarlane? Like, no. Yeah, like, that's like, amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's funny. Okay, sorry. Uh, so, completely yeah, different yeah, MacFarlane. Yeah, different MacFarlane. Yeah. The name made me go, oh, it just that's hit funny. me. He looks like Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd like to have his career. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> who wouldn't? Um, yeah. So Todd McFarlane, the guy that created Spawn, I saw an interview with him one time, and he was talking about how when he was first trying to break into comics, how he said, don't, don't compare yourself to the best people in the industry. Compare yourself to the worst people in the industry. Figure out how to get better than them, and then oh. go take their jobs and say, you know, oh, I can do wow. better than this. And so, I mean, that, that sounds a little cutthroat, but... But you know that that is yeah. that is how you have to think that you you know you can't compare yourself to the best or you're just gonna psych yourself out. But you know you find the people that are doing what you want to do and you have to figure out how they got there and how you can be as good or better than they are. And then you know when you've yeah. proven your worth, that's that's how the doors start opening. That man, that's so brilliant. I've never thought of that, but that's a brilliant statement. Yeah, man. Um, speaking of looking like Seth MacFarlane, <laughs> as we were talking about earlier. Uh, my friend Ira was here, yep. and I told him you're a comic artist, and he's like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know a comic artist look. I didn't know what they look like, and I was like, Well, that's what they look like. And then I went, Well, they really don't look like. Yeah, not really. <laughs> Adam's probably the probably the best looking comic artist I've ever seen in my life. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right. So GI Joe, and then uh, you were doing packaging and all that, but then you got like the the dream job. Because uh, you designed one of the one of the coolest GI Joe covers I think I've ever seen, and tell the story about how you got that job. Uh, okay, well, I guess how many different people you emailed to try yeah. to get this job? This is it. Yeah, this well, this, this is a long uh, backstory. So I guess you want to run through the GI Joe packaging stuff first because that's kind of what led to it. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, so all I ever wanted to do was work on G.I. Joe I love G.I. Joe it was the greatest I, I, uh, I literally own every G.I. Joe toy ever made from 1982 to current so what thousands I'm probably one of the small handful of people on earth that can say that where is the warehouse that you keep these rubber made everywhere <laughs> uh, you know it's, that's amazing still dreaming of opening that toy store museum one day but uh, <laughs> in, until then boxes is the unfortunate answer um, but so I just really wanted to work on G.I. Joe and um, the final week of college for me, Hasbro came to visit to do a recruitment trip for the first time in, at that point, the school's, I guess, 75-year history. And I remember okay. thinking, like, oh, this is destiny. They're here for me. They're going to hire me. I'm going straight to Rhode Island. I'm out of here. G.I. Joe, here I come. And this was right at the time the uh, the first G.I. Joe live-action movie had come out. So G.I. Okay. Joe was on a real upswing in popularity. And, yeah. Um. Anyway, I didn't end up getting an interview with them. I was somewhat devastated. Um, but then I found out there was a couple of alumni from the school that worked there, so I started talking to them and trying to make every connection I could to there and, and yeah. started building up a relationship with some of the people involved. And then um, in 2011, the G.I. Joe convention was in Orlando, and it's a different city every year. And so I went. Oh, no. First of all, I didn't even know there was a GI Joe convention. There is, and I'll be a guest at this year's uh, June seventeenth through the nineteenth, Loveland, Colorado. So come say hi. But what? anyway, awesome. Uh, started from the bottom, now we're here. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so, and uh, in twenty eleven, I went to the convention though, and that was my. I'd been emailing a lot of these people that worked for Hasbro, but that was my first opportunity to get to meet them in person. Okay. So. 
I went and printed up like $1,000 worth of portfolios and was just handing them out left and right and trying to rub elbows with all these people and get critiques. And, right. Um, so that really helped me to, to establish more of a relationship with some of them. But still wasn't resulting in jobs. But throughout those couple of years there where I was pursuing Hasbro, I was learning a lot about the process of how G.I. Joe was manufactured, and, or any action figure for that matter. And um, I didn't really know how I fit into that world exactly. This is kind of how we were talking about, like, am I an illustrator, am I a comic artist? Like, I didn't really know, and I was trying to think, well, how does my skill set apply? Because the only thing that I knew for sure about toys was somebody was sculpting them. But um, okay. I'm, not a, I'm not a sculptor, at least not at that level. Right. And um, so I, was try- I had actually tried for years to get on the comic book and to no avail. I mean, they, just, they weren't even writing me back. It wasn't getting me anywhere. And then uh, that, that one Ninja Turtles credit didn't open all those doors I thought it was going to. Uh, <laughs> but did you see my Ninja Turtles yeah, work? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I drew a page in Ninja Turtles five years ago. Come on. Um, but uh, so eventually, though, the G.I. Joe Collectors Club, which are the people that run the conventions and stuff, and they're, they're a licensee of Hasbro, they were starting up a new thing called the subscription service where they were offering figures that you would get through the mail, like at a collector-level thing. And... Anyway, that opened up a window where they needed a whole bunch of new packaging art because they had all this new product coming out. And so just from the years of getting to know them and constantly showing them my work and always asking about, you know, if there would be an opportunity eventually, they had me start working with them. And uh, here we are now. It's been like almost four years later with them, and I've done 33 G.I. Joe toy packages. And eventually, though, from that, building up... So what you're telling me is all over the United States there are kids playing with G.I. Joe toys that have touched your art. Actually, all over the world, not just the United States. Oh, okay, so, yeah. all over the world. E- even better. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. So that's that's awesome, though. And and, um, and then from that, eventually that, that got me, you know, the, the notoriety that working on the toys eventually is what led me to finally getting with the comic people because then they started to know who I was. I yeah. wasn't just one of the 10 million people that emails them every day asking for work. Right. Um, so... This uh, comic store that I grew up going to, Emerald City Comics in Clearwater, yeah. they, uh, they, we, I'd been discussing with them for a long time about doing an exclusive comic book, and you know that, that you'd only get at their store. They'd talked about doing something. We we'd just we'd always been kind of going back and forth years discussing this, but eventually it just kind of worked out that the people on the GI Joe comic book were receptive to working with me on something because of the toy stuff. And Emerald City wanted to do a book, and so this all just kind of came together in the perfect marriage, where yeah. they decided that there was this there was a monumental issue coming. They were going to kill off Snake Eyes, who's one of the main characters of the book, and so yeah. they said, "Well, what do you, what do you have? You got any ideas for doing something?" And I thought, "Well, you know, after all these years of pursuing this, if they're finally going to give me this one chance to do this book, I got to do something that's really going to make an impact." Because yeah. you know, I'm a big believer when you got an opportunity. Don't you know, don't bring yeah, the yeah, the B level idea. Yeah, yeah, you know, blow the door off the hinges kind of thing. You know, so yeah. I was like, what am I going to bring to this? So, I uh, there was there was a comic years ago where they had drawn a bunch of the the GI Joe you know hero characters on the cover, and I thought, well, they really could use a counterbalance to that, do something with the villains, do a Cobra cover. So. It's funny in hindsight how it all worked out because I didn't even really set out to do it this way. But I uh, I drew every villain character in the history of the series for the last whatever it's been 35 years now, and altogether it ended up being 280 characters on the cover, which at, wow. the, at the time I mean I knew it was a lot of work obviously because it took 34 days to draw, but. I, I didn't even realize until after the fact when people came to me and were like, you realize that this just set a new world record for the single, the most characters on a single issue comic cover. It beat out The Wedding of Deadpool, which I think had like 50 less characters or something. No like, it did. So <laughs> just as, 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 you know, luck would have it, my first ever comic cover ended up setting a world record that <laughs> I'm sure it's, you know, records are meant to be broken. So if I say this, someone will just do over 281. Sure. But, yeah, they'll just but, say. Yeah, but, you know. But, but still, man, that's amazing. But, but you didn't intend to do that. It just. No, it was just, it was just crazy. And then it was, and then it was funny because the editor of the G.I. Joe book after the success of that was like, uh, I just I just heard you uh, from one of the other editors. You draw the packaging for the G.I. Joe toys. Is that true? I'm like, I've been telling you this for years, you know, and he's like, oh, well, in that case, you want to start drawing, like, faux toy cover packages for the regular series? I'm like, yes, like, finally. Oh, so, so that one job uh, just, like, it, it did exactly what I hoped for and then saw me. I mean, it got a ton of attention, a ton of publicity, and it's pretty much led to where we are now. And I've just, the com- work in comics has been com- 
completely steady ever since then. Wow. And uh, so as a result of that, I've done a year of stint on G.I. Joe now, Street Fighter G.I. Joe, uh, Star Trek Green Lantern, ROM, Micronauts, Back to the Future, and, and the wow. list is ongoing. So That's so cool. I What's amazing to me, and I think like every facet of life, I've experienced it with my organization or just things that I've done. Uh, it's amazing where you it constantly like tell this is what I do or this is the person this is what I'm trying to do blah 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 and then you do something that is noteworthy or whatever you know like alright I did this thing I put it out there and that same person that you've been telling for however long that who you are and then they see your work or that thing that you did and they go oh yeah do you want to work on this other stuff yeah I've been asking you for years to- <laughs> I mean, it's one of those the rich get richer kind of things you know it's like you can sit there and beg and beg for it and you know you're just one of the million people doing it and as soon as you do that one thing that's noteworthy it's like oh there's that guy you right. know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah but what I think is fascinating about that and I think the lesson that at least to me the lesson in that is like you said earlier not taking no for an answer very well like just because they said no, I think a lot of people tend to like, all right, well, I gave it a shot and that was it. But you, you kept where you kept finding a way to work, and I'll just keep working, and I'll find a way to, uh, you know, if that comes back around, great. But they told me no, but I'm gonna go create. That's the thing I love about artists. I, I feel like true artists to me are, you know, some museum or some not museum, but like. Uh, you know, gallery or whatever may not pick up their pick up their art, but a true artist says, regardless of all of that, I have to create the thing that I need to create. Yeah, I, I heard um, somebody. It's funny. I, I'm really big into music, obviously. If you haven't gathered that, yeah, but I, yeah. I I heard somebody ask Dave Grohl one time, like, "Oh, if you hadn't really hit it big with like Nirvana and Food Fighters, and you hadn't gotten really rich playing music, what do you think you'd be doing for a career?" And he said, "Be poor playing music." And I was like, "Yeah, exactly. You know, if you really love something, you're just gonna keep doing it." I mean, yeah. It, for me, there is there is no end game. There's not there's not a retirement number. There's not a there's not a final project. It's like you know I'm gonna do this until my eyes and hands stop working. You know, and, yeah. and then you know maybe try it blind with my feet. I don't know. Yeah. It's just that's <laughs> that's you know, if you love what you're doing, it's that that the joy is the work. Yeah, that's true. I uh, a guy that I listen to a good biz named Rob Bell. He has a podcast. He's a big you know internationally known guy. Um, he. Uh, I was at a like a two day thing with him uh, last year, and he was talking about a he told a story about a book that he wrote, this children's book. That he had this whole idea for, and uh, talked to his publisher about it and all that. And the publisher was like, uh, "Absolutely not, this thing's not gonna." <laughs> but he was like, "No," he was convinced, and you know, he's like, I "Had so he wrote it. He like personally paid an illustrator to illustrate the pages and all this kind of stuff, and got it printed, printed all this stuff." He's like, you know where that? He's like, you know, has anybody? And so he says the title. It's like, any of you got any of you heard of this book or seen it anywhere on anything that I've ever done? I'm like, no, not at all. He's like, you know why? Because it's they're all in boxes sitting in my garage right mm-hmm. now. And he said, but you know what I learned out of that is that uh, not not everything I need to create is for other people. Sometimes sometimes the thing that I need to create is just for me, and that's okay because. I've, I created it. I had to get it out there. There's something working in me that I have to get out, put on paper. I think we get caught up, and his point was, I think we get caught up in the fact that, like, the fact that I put it on paper, someone has to see it. Mm. But it's really more about the fact that this was there, I got it on paper, and now I can move on to the next thing. That That is a struggle of mine, though, and I, and I think a lot of artists, and what you were talking about earlier about how everyone expects this instant gratification with the internet mm. and texting, is, you know, we live in this validate you know every two seconds with right. Facebook likes and stuff yeah you do get caught up in that to some degree where it's like well if I'm going to invest 20 30 40 hours in this illustration like it's, it's got to have some legs you know it needs to people need to see it it, need, it needs to get exposure and so right and also the other thing that happens too is you get burned out you know you uh, you spend so much time working on professional projects that after you finish one you're just exhausted and it's like the, the desire internally to then go back and put that same amount of effort or even more into a personal project it can be a struggle sometimes but yeah but you, you know you just got to find ways to to keep loving what you do and remind yourself um 
sometimes I when I hear quotes that I like from artists and stuff, I'll hang them on like on post-it notes next to my computer in the back of my door. Like yeah. uh, my favorite illustrator is Drew Struzan. He's the guy that um, did a lot of famous movie posters, Star Wars, Back to the Future, and Dana oh, Jones, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And someone I'm also very fortunate to call a friend now. Look at you. Not, not bragging, just saying. <laughs> and uh, that's um, amazing. I but love it. I heard him say one time, uh, you know. It, it's it's not luck. It's hard work, and I always thought you know that's I, I just I have that written down. And I look at it every day and remind myself because anytime you start feeling that burnout, you just got to remember you know this is what you wanted and you're doing it and you know yeah it's it's not always easy you know yeah that's a, yeah that's awesome. By the way, you should name drop name drop all you want during this conversation. Should I? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I what's cool. So let me ask you this. Yep. He was a hero. You now know him. Yep. Did he live up to your expectations? You know, it's funny you say that because I've met a lot of people that I did look up to that were horrible disappointments, and they always say you shouldn't meet your heroes. Yeah. He could not possibly be a nicer guy. Like, he is the coolest, like, I, not not just his work, but just his personal life. I mean, he's been yeah. married for, I don't even know, forever, you know? He's just yeah. a really devoted family man. He's, you know, he's done really well in life. He's really happy, you know? Very yeah. humble, and it's like, you know, I think that's everything that everyone should aspire to be. He's yeah. He's just a really awesome, down-to-earth guy, you know I mean? Yeah. You you could literally say he's the most famous American illustrator, not even American, the most famous living illustrator. And the fact that he's even willing to give his time to you know reply to student artists and, and yeah. you know, I mean I've literally hung out at this guy's house and I'm like you know I'm I'm nothing to him you know but it's like the fact that he's so generous with his time and, and yeah. teaching with his technique and stuff I mean that's just that's awesome. Man, that's so cool. I love I love when I hear that kind of story because I. Th- to me, it doesn't matter what level you get at. There's there's never a point that someone should be have the attitude that I I'm above those people because to me, like if that's if that's the case, then you forgot that you were once those people. Oh, and especially in a career like this, that's mostly freelance. People need to remember you're you're only one step removed from that. You know, if the people mm. that are in charge, unless you're doing your own personal project, if the editors, the art directors, whoever's employing you, you know, if you fall out of favor with them, you're you're right back to being what you were. And I think that a lot mm. of people tend to forget that they they yeah. think that they've you know hit some pinnacle and then you know they're just uh, the greatest and it just yeah. doesn't work like that. And, now I can be a jackass. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. It, and it's funny, you know, I've, I've gone to conventions and I've had people approach me with like a book or something that I worked on and they're, I mean, like, literally shaking. And I just, I'm like, dude, come on, man. I'm like, I'm you. This is like, amazing. This yeah. is like, please, like, this is, you know, like, you're making me uncomfortable. I, you know, like, we're the same person. We love the same stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, just hang out with me, you know? And I, I've had people that are like, oh, thank you so much for applying to my email personally. I'm like, who else would reply to it? Like, <laughs> my manager? Come on, like, you know? Like, you wrote me, I'm going to reply. It's just, yeah. It's it's really funny and that that was another another big lesson I learned in art school. I remember we had an assignment one time and, and that was actually my first contact with Drew Struzan. They said write a famous illustrator and ask them you know these like handful of interview questions. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking this is insane. Like nobody's gonna write us back. Like this is annoying to them, you know. But I was like, well, again with the if you're gonna go big, you know, just go all the way kind of yeah. philosophy. I was like, well, whatever. I'm just gonna write the most famous illustrator alive and see what yes. happens. And he actually wrote me back and gave me his phone number. And I was like, is this really happening? Yeah, like, you know, like, wow. so that's incredible. That's so cool. I love. Yeah, that I'm not famous, and uh, nor will I ever be famous. But if I were, I hope that I would still be. I would be that kind of person that. Uh, with yeah like totally personable I even now the small amount of kind of speaking things or any kind of recognition type of things that I've I've had I've been able to do it, it, it's so funny to me if someone either wants to take a picture with you or uh, sign something which I've rarely ever done I'm sure you, I know you experience that way more to me I've always been like oh, what like I don't know why you'd want me to, yeah. in that, but okay, like yeah, sure. If you, I'm you not want. I'm not that great, but okay, sure, I'll do that thing. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really aspire to have fame. I mean, it's you know, if you work in anything that's public, it's sort of a byproduct of it. And I mean, yeah. I almost hate the word fame in a way because that implies that you're somehow better or something. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like notoriety is more appropriate. I mean, yeah. I, I you know, I, I I've gotten noteworthy to some degree for some of the things I work on, but sure. I, but I also remember that those things that I'm working on are bigger than me. I mean, I'm contributing to something that everyone loves, you know? Right, yeah. If, if somebody said, you know, you get to play the, you know, a two-second wonk-on cameo in the new Star Wars movie, like, they're going to make toys of you and people are going to want your autograph and you just walked past the screen, you know, right. you didn't do yeah. anything. I mean, there's people that have made whole careers off things like that, you know? And I'm like, yeah. so, 
I, I try never to forget and I try to remind people that I see they're, you know, getting a little big for their britches that, you know, yeah. you need to stay humble because you're you're part of the greater machine, you know, right. you're, you're not the machine, like, right. you're a contributor to it. Yeah. You know what's funny is I, uh, there's a, I listen to, you know who Kevin Smith is, everyone mm-hmm. knows of course. Him. So I listen to his podcast, Fat Man on Batman, yep. and uh, he, I was listening to one the other day and he, they recently had Alan Tudyk mm-hmm. on the actor and uh, he, so in so this was a later episode, and it comes up that Alan Tudyk is in uh, the new the upcoming Star Wars Rogue One movie, mm-hmm. but that never got talked yeah. about on the on the podcast interview with them. And he goes, "Wait, Alan Tudyk's in Rogue One?" It's like, "Yeah, Hold on. the Alan Tudyk we just had on a couple weeks ago." He said, "Yeah." He's like, "Did we not know that? Did we drop the ball?" He's like, "No, we knew it. We just didn't ask." He's like, "Wait a minute, he didn't bring that up. Why would?" He- if I was Alan Tudyk, I would be, con- hey, guys, did you know I'm in Star Wars? <laughs> Let's talk about me being in Star Wars. And, but, and, you know, they were kind of going on this thing and joking about it. And I thought, man, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. If you, can, if you can be in that world and the fact that that's like one of the biggest things that you could brag about being in. But the fact that you talked about your indie film that, you, that you're putting out and, you know, didn't say, hey, guys, you know I'm in Star Wars, right? Let's talk about that. Like you didn't even drop it. You didn't yeah. like <laughs> casually, indirectly mention yourself being in Star Wars. Nothing. Like to me, that's a completely different attitude. I, I might have had to name drop Star Wars if I was. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, of course. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I immediately thought. Alan Tudyk's way better than me because I would have immediately went, guys. First of all, did you know I'm in Star Wars? Yeah, that, that would have been the opening line. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? You know I'm in Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Alan Tudyk, I'll be in Star Wars. Yeah, that's what. I, that's how I would introduce myself. Maybe he couldn't, you know. Like, I, well, I don't know at the time. No, I think at the time it was because oh, okay. that's what they. That's what they were talking about. Oh, that, okay, yeah. That uh, like that that was known. It was it was been announced. It was well known, but they just neither side brought it up. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes I can be a really horrible self promoter. Like, and I, I've tried to get better about that because. It's almost it's almost embarrassing to me to be yeah. like you know hawking your stuff all the time like go yeah. oh, buy this buy this I did it you know but, yeah right but yeah, if, yeah, if you keep, if people don't know about it then they they don't you know you have to get the word out or they won't even know it exists so yeah I've I've gotten a little bit better about it but um but man the, the non disclosure agreements can be a killer sometimes because oh, once that, in a while you, yeah. you you do land those dream projects like the the Back to the Future thing um I think we actually signed off on that like once it was like November or December of last year. <clears throat> And I mean, you said I was so excited. I mean, uh, you can't even imagine. Like, I mean, I've man. met all the cast. I collect movie props. I'm obsessed with Back to the Future. It's my favorite movie of all time. And when I got oh. when I got word of that, I was like, <gasps> you know, I and mean, it was like the cat that swallowed the canary. Like, I wanted to go like scream it from the mountaintop, you know. And yeah. I and I just had to sit on it. And and then it got even even more so because um, I I wanted to do a really great job on it, and they wanted me to draw the DeLorean. So. I met up with um, this guy, Bruce Coulomb, who owns a studio in Orlando that builds replica DeLoreans, and so he was nice enough to let me go there and just oh, shoot wow, hundreds man. of photos of every little detail and angle so that I'd be able to use it as reference material. And I remember at the time I did that, I was like, then I was really freaking out. I was like, oh man, I've been like sitting in the DeLorean and now I can't even talk about it. And oh, wow. So I actually... Uh, I think I posted a photo of myself on Facebook sitting in it, and I was like, well, at least at least this way I can feel like I alleviated some of the, you know, like, I can't say anything, but it, it, people don't need to know the context. At, right. least, at least I can feel a little yeah. better about feeling like I, I sort of let the cat out of the bag without, oh, you know, man. getting myself in trouble. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be the hardest thing for me. Well, and it's especially hard when you're a fan of it. I mean, I've worked on some things that, admittedly, I'm not a fan of. And then in those instances, I almost feel guilty to some degree because I'm like, I know there's someone out there that's like I am with, with other things like J.J. where like I know someone is just a huge fan of this and they'd kill to have this opportunity and I'm getting right. to do it and I don't know anything about it. And I almost feel bad about it. So I, I always try to do the best I can on those jobs to, yeah. to compensate for that, you know? Yeah. Um, but like the J.I. Joe community, I'm still very interactive with the fans and stuff online and like... I'll be working on toys that aren't going to come out for a whole other year and when I see them speculating about it in a way I almost feel like I'm excluded from the party now I'm like man I remember when I used to be able to talk about that stuff and like you know now I have to like sit here and bite my lip because you know I could get in real trouble plus yeah. I don't want to spoil the fun for them you know yeah but it's uh that that's the one hard part about transitioning from fandom into professional on, on things that you really love is you, you yeah. kind of have to learn how to keep the excitement to yourself you know? yeah <laughs> I bet I, that yeah. would be tough for sure so, uh, G.I. Joe, um, favorite G.I. Joe character? Well, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, 
the, the exclusive to your podcast. It, it has to be wide scope since I used myself as a model for the packaging art. Oh, but, so okay. He, he is me, so by, by <laughs> default, that has to be my favorite. But oh man. Um, but so how did you use yourself as a model for the packaging? Well, uh, <laughs> the first the first character I ever did was Iceberg, and okay. he's black, so I couldn't use myself. So the, the first character they gave that was a white male, I said, "Well, that's me," because if this job ends today, I have to turn myself into a JJ. <laughs> so that, that was pre- it. Was pretty much as simple oh. as that. I said, "The second I can find someone that I can get away with using myself as the model for, that's going to be oh, me." Amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's it. so brilliant. Yeah, that's pretty brilliant. So. Um, Couple, I'm curious about your uh, with artists especially some people may argue that what you do is art mm. I would punch them in the face because I think it absolutely is art like um, I'm always curious about creative process of artists so do you do you typically begin hand drawing things and then illustrate them do you start illustrator what's um, kind of your process really varies project to project I mean I've said this before, you know, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you can't rush art, and I kind of laugh, and I'm like, well, then that's why when professionals do it, they renamed it illustration, because you can definitely rush that, you know? Yeah. And so, it, it really depends on what the project is, and what the turnaround time is. I mean, in, in certain instances, if it's, like, the costuming stuff, for example, I mean, that's, like, an immediate need. Like, the project comes in, they want it the next day, so okay. you, you start drawing it straight into the computer, and, and the file you send them is, is, you know, what you drew is what they're getting right, right. out of the gate. Um, okay. Other things, like like for the J.J. Joe packaging, they have a very strict format because you only have certain size parameters that you can fit the art within the confines of. And okay. so I'll send them anywhere between 5 and 30 really like loose thumbnail sketches real quick, like maybe two minutes a piece, just to give them a whole variety of ideas for how you could pose the character, what scenarios to put it in. And then right. um, a lot of illustration is... I mean, ultimately, my hand's the one doing the drawing, but it's very collaborative, you know, so they'll look at it and they'll say, well, what if you use the arm from this pose and the leg from that one and tilted his head like this, and you'll go back and forth and back and forth, and by the time you'll be 50 sketches in before the, the finished art even starts, and then even when you do the finished art, you'll send it in and they'll say, well, now that we're actually seeing what it looks like, maybe it'd look better if his head was turned this way, and you know, it's like, <laughs> so sometimes it's funny like that, and then there's even other instances where you'll finish something, they say, it's great, we love it. And then the finished product comes out, whatever it may be, and you'll see that it's changed in some way. And you're like, ah, oh. like somebody went and you know uh, tweaked it because they wanted to make some change, and it was you know their deadline or whatever. So um, the creative process can vary wildly. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to have time to really flesh out the ideas, start on paper, just because I like the tactile experience. You know, okay. I'd like I'd like to draw it out, and um, but it's all over the place. I mean, but. It's it's led to some interesting scenarios, you know. Like I said, I, I drove to Orlando and took photos with that DeLorean. I mean, I've had I've had friends like you know hanging from ropes off of like swing sets and trees to to take photos of cool angles, you know. I mean, wow. we've like I I have some very uh, you know understanding friends. I mean, I've like you know poured food on them and you know <laughs> blinded them with flash bulbs and all kinds of crazy whatever it takes to get you know a good wow. photo reference of you know yeah toys, models, props. I mean, you know whatever it takes to get the finished art. So yeah. there's it's hard to really give a definitive answer to that. Just, you know. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, I'm just always curious to that. And that's usually the answer we get. It depends on the project. depends yeah. on like what I'm trying to do. Um, I, that GI Joe cover you did, the mm-hmm. one with all the, all the villains on it. Yep. Uh, I think I remember reading this. You did that as a, as a hand drawn illustration first, right? It's like half and half. I okay. mean, I had started drawing a lot of it by hand just because I, in comics, it's generally a good idea to draw stuff by hand. I mean, just just being honest here, because comics pay is average, but the original art for a collector will sell and oftentimes for more than you even got paid for doing the job. So okay. it's good to have original art for that reason, you know, because yeah. you're you're kind of banking on your own future. I mean, again, back to Todd McFarlane, I saw recently one of his original Spider-Man covers sold for like something crazy, like almost two hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, he probably got paid a few hundred dollars for that back in the early '90s. Yeah, know? yeah. So it's kind of a it's always the thought in the back of my mind is like, you know, when right. you can stockpile original art yeah um and so at the time that was my intention i was going to draw all that by hand but then things would start changing around because it was such an involved piece and at the time i wanted to make sure that it was as up to date as it could be so when i found out there was new characters coming i had to go in photoshop and like scooch this guy over move that guy down mm-hmm. shrink one add one in and so eventually right. it kind of became a hodgepodge of okay. digital and traditional nice yeah that's funny you mentioned that about the original art uh i 
I remember a few years ago at a convention, I went to a convention and had an artist do a commission cover of Harley Quinn. All right for me and it was really cool it turned out great he had to actually he ended up having to mail it to me because he couldn't um, like the the lineup of what he already had which I didn't really care I was like yeah. fine you can mail it to me then we go um, so he mailed it to me and I remember getting it like oh man it's perfect like it's great and then going to a convention you know months later and seeing seeing their booth and there's the there's now a poster print of that Oh right, that sketch cover he did for me. Yeah, and I was like, oh look at that. And uh, on the one hand, I was like, oh that's cool. And on the other hand, I was like, it's, yeah, wait it's not, a minute, yeah, it's not yours anymore. You're making yeah. money off yeah. my idea. <laughs> yeah, no. That, so, but yeah, no, I was. Uh, I I mean, I, I never thought about that. Just that the original art, having that original art, that because it's more valuable in that sense. Yeah, I mean, and and, and I um, I mean, I own. A decent amount of original art myself, you know, just as a fan buying from artists mm-hmm. and stuff too. So that's, mm-hmm. um, but so, yeah. sorry, go ahead. I no, it's a lot, but I was, I learned over time that a lot of, a lot of artists actually supplement their income with that stuff, like considerably. Mm-hmm. I mean, and interesting. And for me, unfortunately, at least to this stage, I mean, as I, as I move more into comics, maybe it'll change, but a lot of the stuff that I use, like the more commercial work, like instruction manuals or product packaging, toy packaging, whatever, a lot of that stuff. Um, talking about process, a lot of that stuff was all done completely digital, um, because it has to be. It's just it's the yeah. nature of the beast because they're going to ask for a lot of changes. They have tight deadlines, and so when that happens, there is no original art. Yeah, interesting. Um, so one thing I'm curious about too with uh, with costumes. So you're designing costumes for wrestlers. How, what is that like? Because in my head, I'm thinking, oh, you've got to design like. In my head, it's a it's a fashion designer that's coming up with their costume. Yeah, you would think, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's well, it's an interesting thing because I in in the the guy that I've been working with on these that, that's actually the one that's sewing the costumes. I, I told him right up front. I was like, you know, I come from a world of design of comics and toys and stuff, but I was like, so I I understand cool aesthetics, and obviously I'm a lifelong fan, so I, I kind of get the the general vibe of what they're going for but I don't you know I'm not a seamster I don't understand the practical nature of this I haven't used these fabrics I don't know how durable they are and so mm-hmm. again it, it's kind of collaborative I mean I'll, I'll bring things to the table and he can tell me like well that's really cool but it won't work because or you know yeah. maybe you, this part needs to be thicker or whatever so that it doesn't tear stuff like that but yeah um you know that I just kind of uh, come up with what I think looks cool that it doesn't seem totally impossible and then I guess they can kind of interpret that to make it work. Yeah. However is best functional. Yeah. No, that's cool. I just, I'm just curious because that when you said you're designing costumes, like, wait, don't fashion designers do that? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So, um, we're going to wrap up here in just a second. A couple other things I want to ask sure. you about. Um, what do you, th- why do you think people are so fascinated with comics and he- heroes and Hmm. That sci-fi type of stuff. Probably just escapism, honestly. I think it's just it, it's a fun way to, to live in a world that's not this one, you know, to fantasize mm-hmm. about something, to imagine a place that's other than your own. Mm-hmm. And I and obviously, I mean, I think in recent years the the glut of superhero movies and things like that have obviously helped to really popularize this stuff and really bring it to the public consciousness more than ever. Um yeah, have you noticed? Uh, I feel like as of late, some some of the, I love them all because I'm a big comic book nerd, especially from a movie standpoint and TV shows and all that. But it feels like in some ways uh, some of them are getting very getting more realistic to yeah the- this world than escaping into another world. I have noticed that, and I'm not really sure what the what the spark for that was exactly. I mean, maybe, maybe it just feels good to ground them more in reality or, yeah. or maybe it's just they worried that they were becoming, you know, the status quo if they kept doing them the way they were. So it, it made it more relatable to, to add some grit to them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's true. There's probably something to you to say about, what is that old adage about art, like art influencing life and life influencing art, sure. you know, back yeah. and forth. So um, it feels like some of the concepts or some of the underlying themes with some of them are things that like we deal with in real world 
you know, political I mean, spectrum or whatever. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, I, I think even my own personal interests are probably reflected in that somewhat too, though, that like growing up, obviously I've read a lot of like Marvel stuff, yeah. you know, X-Men, Spider-Man, superheroes, and in recent years my interests have swayed a lot more towards stories that involve real people and, and mm. things that are more grounded in reality just because the human element of it can be fascinating. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure to some degree too it's just trying to find a way to attract every audience and, and not sure. single out the people that would otherwise you know not be interested in superhero stuff. They're trying to hit every demographic. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. The human element, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's part of the reason why I believe Batman is the best superhero that's ever existed. He's up there. So, <laughs> every time I say that that's ever existed, people go, you know, Batman doesn't actually exist, right? And I go, yes, he does. He exists somewhere. Sure, he does. We just don't know about him yet. He lives in Los Angeles. Somewhere in the world. <laughs> Where the people that have portrayed him reside. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, yeah. So, um, the, the other thing you just offhand mentioned, how did you end up doing cover art for Offspring? Oh, um... Again, just 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 chasing people down, you know. It's that funny. was you. It wasn't like they discovered you. Hey, will you do something? No, that, no, that that's what I mean. I mean, it's very rare. There there are instances once in a while now. It's and it seems to be. I mean, you know, I'm I'm fairly new in my career. I've been at yeah. this professionally for about six years, so okay. it, it is happening more frequently now. Where I'll get random emails from someone that'll be like, "Hey, I saw you on such and such. I'm doing this. Would you be interested in doing it?" Yeah. That, I mean, that does happen more regularly now. Yeah. But um. Stuff like that, like if it's a if it's a band I like, a book I like, a toy I like, whatever it may be, like I just find ways to contact people and say, hey, here's who I am, here's what I've worked on, like, you know, totally humble. I don't expect you to have a clue who I am, yeah. but I really love what you're doing and I'd love to be a part of it. And if you'd ever be interested, here's my contact info. And like I said, nine times out of ten you'll hear nothing, but occasionally you'll get this response and be like, wow, you know, like, um, That's so amazing. I, uh, I guess at the time they were like between albums and they were working on a new one I had gotten wind of that and so I sought out their management and sent them an email and they wrote me back and they were like well you know what'd you have in mind so I sent them a whole bunch of ideas and they ended up using one of them um, in the album Days Go By it's like a like a postcard page in the liner notes so you'll see it in there I think it says like cruising California or something that's amazing yeah that's so wow I you know what I discovered about them recently too that's the other thing that blows my mind that he the uh is the main guy Dexter? Dexter, yeah, yeah. he's like a scientist. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's really wild. He's huh? like a freaking brilliant scientist, like amazing to me. Yeah, but that's so cool. You got to work with them. That, that, so all of that is like that's the essence of what my podcast is about. Is like you just you went after it. Well, and you know what? A big thing for me, and and people are different. This is just me, but. I'm really not one of those people that's good with the whole, like, stop and smell the roses thing. Like, I will set a goal, I'll put on blinders, I will just go nuts. I mean, I'll put, it's in the crosshairs, and, you know, I can't sleep. I'm so focused to, to, like, to the detriment of the rest of my life. Like, I have to achieve this goal. But once I do it, I'm not throwing a party for myself. I'm like, okay, great, did it, what's next? You know, because you can't get complacent. I mean, if if you allow yourself even, you know, I've heard people say before like you know you think you want something but every time you do you know you're when you're resting there's someone out there that's working you know 10 times harder to go get the same thing and so it, it's not even like a, a conscious effort on my part to have like you know laser focus but it just so happens that that's just kind of how I'm hardwired that it's like well I did it and that's awesome but it's like what good is it going to do me to sit here and you know pat myself on the back like I got to keep moving keep moving because right. especially really accomplished artists you go back and you look at their body of work and you just there's hundreds or thousands of completed illustrations published works and you just think to yourself like how did they do this it's crazy and the answer is they just never stopped working you know yeah. i i uh i remember the year i graduated I guess this was like 2009 10 ish i was maybe honestly i was maybe putting out 10 like what i would consider good completed works of art a year yeah and in hindsight like that's pathetic i mean that's a very bad output for someone that wants to be a hmm. professional artist you know that means that you're averaging one piece a month and the reason for that was because when i was out of the when i was out of the system when i was out of that creative hub that school provides you and i was left to my own devices i was sitting here and i was needling this to death you know i was going nuts over every little detail and i was yeah. overly focused and i was like y- you can't treat the work like it's that precious I mean, you know, if you want to be George Lucas and go back and alter it 30 years later, you can. But 
I won't, but you can. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, everything, and he's the one that gave that quote that, you know, well, no work of art's ever finished. It's just abandoned. And I'm like, well, not really. I mean, at some point, if you want to move on with your life, you know, you, yeah. you, you know, call it finished, call it abandoned. you got to keep going, though. Right, and so right. I've, I've gotten to a point now where it's a little less precious. I mean, this year alone, we're, you know, we're nearing the end of March, and I, I think I was looking at my, uh, my log, and I'm already, like, over 30 published illustrations completed this year. Wow. But, you know, I mean, most of them aren't out yet, of course, but like yeah. 30 that are in the can. I'm just thinking like, I, I mean, not out, like, I don't even understand how I did it when I look back on it. I'm like, oh, that's where all those sleepless lights and weekends went, you know? Right. But like, <laughs> you just got to keep moving. Just always stay focused. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's not easy, but. Yeah. No, that's great. So to wrap it up, uh, yep. last question I usually ask pretty much every guest that's on. Um, do you feel like every person has the ability to boldly go and pursue that passion, as you said, like relentlessly pursue, pursue that passion? I think that everyone has that within them. I don't think that everyone's using it. But, I mean, it's, I think that we all are equipped to accomplish virtually anything. I mean, of course, some of us have competitive advantages, you know. Maybe, sure. maybe someone is more athletically built and they're going to have an advantage whatever but if you want something bad enough I mean there's countless examples in life of people that for all intents and purposes should have underachieved but they just wouldn't take no they just kept working and working and honing their craft and they found a way to make it happen and you might not always hit the heights you want but if you're willing to put in the hours and you're just willing to humble yourself and make the connections and just you know work your butt off you will get there I mean I think anyone can boldly go wherever they want you just have to be focused and stick with it. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great answer. Really good. That's why I like having you around. Huh? Smart. Smarter <laughs> than I am. So um, thanks for being on. Uh, to all of you listening, the last uh, last question I always ask that I is to not to the guests, but to you as a listener. Um, what can you do this week to go boldly go and, as Adam said it, relentlessly pursue your passion? Because that, to me, is the... Uh, that's where it's at. It's great to hear a story like Adam's, and the reason I want you to hear his story is because I hope it will encourage you to go and pursue the thing that you're that you're passionate about. And it doesn't have to be whatever that thing is this week or this month that you do. It doesn't have to be the doesn't have to complete the whole picture, but at least pick up the brush and start painting. Uh, take out your computer or your pad and start writing that thing. Start doing whatever it is. Like take that first step. Uh, to begin pursuing. So what can you do this week to, to start that process for yourself? So, cool. Adam, thanks so much, man. Thanks Thank for being you. on. It's been awesome. You're, we'll, we'll have to do a part two because I could talk about this stuff all day. Sounds good. So we'll have you back again. All right. Thanks, everybody. Everybody's done.